quite frankly, I don't think operations has been perceived as being particularly sexy. It's seen as just the thing that ticks along, the function that keeps the business running. Welcome back to our bite-sized 40-minute mentor startup spotlight series. In today's episode, we're rejoined by our first ever 40-minute mentor, Charlene Chen, a great friend of JBM and board advisor, co-founder and former COO of the fintech Arza Finance, and also the co-founder of Operations Nation, the digital ecosystem designed to help operations professionals thrive at every stage of their ops career. In today's episode, Charlene talks us through the evolution of the COO role. She shares tons of advice for existing and aspiring COOs and gives us a glimpse into the future of the COO role, as well as what's in store for Operations Nation. So over to Charlene for all things COO. Hi, my name is Charlene Chen, and I have had an incredibly squiggly career path. I graduated with a computer science and psychology double degree, and 20 years ago, you didn't go into big tech, you went into IT consulting. So I started off my career with four years at Deloitte out of the Boston practice and learned so much from that foundation, but ultimately went to get my MBA at UC Berkeley in California and made a career 180 into social entrepreneurship in sub-Saharan Africa. So instead of going back to Deloitte, I took a 60% pay cut and moved to East Africa and spent about four years working for nonprofits that work with smallholder farmers in Uganda, Tanzania, and Kenya. And whilst I was in Nairobi, now we're fast forward, this is about uh, 2013, almost about 10 years ago, my good friend Elizabeth said, hey, I'm, I'm going to start Africa's first Bitcoin startup. Will you help me do that? And so I ended up co-founding and serving as COO as a finance, which is a B2B FX payments platform and doing that for six glorious years, really hard years, but good years. And then during the pandemic, I served as COO of a UK health tech company called Lantum. And then finally took a long needed or wanted sabbatical during 2022 during which I really focused on building up Operations Nation, which I think we'll talk more about, which is a a community-led digital platform connecting ops professionals globally, like COOs, heads of ops, ops managers and ops associates, and creating an easy way for them to access ops-specific content and training to support them as they survive and thrive in their ops careers. And then about a year ago, I started Uh, working with an amazing family foundation called Ezra Charitable Trust, where my job as executive director is everything from pipeline management to due diligence to portfolio management. And we focus on supporting social enterprises and nonprofits that are creating jobs and increasing income across sub-Saharan Africa. So I wish I had known what a COO role entailed (laughs) before I became one nearly a decade ago. Because back then, there really wasn't a lot of information. It's hard to describe the stereotypical COO role, but I think there are some things that hold true for every COO role. So one is that you will generally manage at least several, um, if not five or six, but at least several 
functions. Some of these are traditionally what are considered back office. So that could be HR, people operations, legal, finance, ops, but it could also be customer facing. So I have also managed a sales and marketing team. I've managed a customer success team, things that are you know more customer facing. So I think it really varies and definitely on the makeup of the business. But I think the COO role is traditionally the second in command, number two to a CEO, managing uh, functions that are not managed by other C-levels. So if there's a CFO, then you probably don't manage finance. If there's a chief commercial officer, then you're probably not managing sales. So I like to think of the COO role as the gap filler, both for the C-suite team, but also in general for the rest of the company. We really fill in the gaps where there aren't either individuals or teams fulfilling a function. In terms of how I think the COO role has evolved over the past few years, I think it has moved from what we traditionally think of a back office COO to include either a wider breadth of functions or to include commercial functions. So in my career path, I've had the fortune, I think when I worked in more the zero to one stage when we were pre-series A, I managed a lot of both customer facing and internal functions. So everything from sales and marketing and customer support, but also managed HR, people function, and then eventually legal compliance and regulatory affairs. I think the COO role has risen in value and appreciation. I think generally the COO role was maybe not as well-respected as say a CTO or a CFO. Quite frankly, I don't think operations has been perceived as being particularly sexy. It's seen as just the thing that ticks along the function that keeps the business running, but not one that really contributes to the growth of a business. I think now CEOs and founders are starting to appreciate that a COO can be much more than keeping the lights on, or at least that's my hope. If you're a CEO listening to this, I would want you to know that your COO can be your best friend and really help you achieve the goals that you have for scaling your business. Because, well, first, if you can't have the right operational lens for designing and building the right product or service, you're not going to get anywhere. If you have a great product or service, but you can't acquire customers because you have poorly defined processes or poor customer experience, you're not going to scale. If you're good at acquiring customers, but not at retaining them because you don't have great customer success or customer support or customer operations in the background, you're never going to hold on to your customers. So I think, thankfully, there's getting more exposure to the COO role, but I still think that um, there's work to be done in terms of really truly valuing this mission critical role. The COO role is so difficult to define because it in of itself is one that has to complement, I think, namely the skills and strengths of the CEO, but also it's the nature of the business. So what type of industry, what kind of business model, is it retail, B2C, or is it B2B, you know, and also the stage of the company. So it's not even like a bilateral matrix. It's like a four or five dimensional matrix, I think, to define 
that kind of the ideal COO for the right company at the right time in its stage of growth and in the right industry. But yeah, I think to generalize, if you had to take a step back and, and sort of simplify it, there is definitely the external facing COO who, if I'd say if you're complimenting a CEO who is not like particularly salesy or a great fundraiser or a visionary, then I think the COO will complement that CEO and take on more of that persona. So I love the framework that Gene Wickman uses in Rocket Fuel, comparing visionary and an integrator. Usually the CEO is the visionary. Big, bold ideas, but can't always translate that great vision into an actually executable strategy or strategic plan. And then traditionally, the COO is more of the integrator. So maybe they're not the one who came up with the big, bold, visionary idea, but they're the one who can translate that into an actual operational plan and build the infrastructure, whether that's the, you know, hire the right people, put in the right systems, put in the right processes to execute on that strategy. So I think traditionally, the COO is an integrator type, but can also play a more visionary type depending on the CEO that he or she is paired up with. I think beyond that, I would describe it as COOs are generally Jackson Jills of all trades. So really COO types are dependent on what your strengths are as a leader. So if you are a more commercial lens, like external facing, I don't like to use the extrovert or introvert cross-cutting because I think a lot is associated with those stereotypes. But if you're someone who loves being relational, whether that's with external stakeholders like customers or strategic partners or investors, then that's the kind of COO that you should probably play to or COO role you should take. But I've actually love being behind the scenes, love working with employees, love cross-functional collaboration, company-wide communication, culture building, internal processes, making sure that the ship is running efficiently, the train is always running on the tracks, then I would call that more of like a business operations COO. It's so important to think about, you know, what are the skills? As, as I've said, we are Jackson Jills of all trades. So you can't be a one-trick pony. If you're, quite frankly, just a specialist, then it's going to be very difficult to succeed because you need to wear a lot of hats in the COO role. As I spoke about before, you could be managing multiple functions and you need to be more of a generalist than a specialist. Unless I think you're at a maybe much later stage business where there are really strong other fellow C-levels, then you can, you might be able to play to one or maybe two lanes. But I think until you're a late stage, you need to, the most important skill, the deal breaker for me is like, can you wear multiple hats? Can you be a generalist? Can you spread yourself across multiple angles of the business? Can you zoom out? and think big picture, what's the strategy? What's the direction of the business? Are we on track? And really thinking about the big rocks or the, the major objectives in a business. But also you need to be able to zoom down and look at the inner workings of the business. What's working efficiently? What's not working well? Which teams are not collaborating? Where's the breakdown in communication? So I think 
the essential skills are to be cross-cutting kind of horizontally, but also to be able to zoom out vertically and zoom in the other direction downwards. So I think those are the most important skills to be more concrete about concrete skills. I think there's a whole toolkit that you need and in different weightings, depending on the type of business that you're at and the stage. And I've had the pleasure of actually putting this down on paper because Operations Nation started offering a COO course earlier this year. I designed a curriculum that is centered around what I believe from my own experience and and from listening to other COOs in our community are the core competencies of a startup COO. And we used kind of a a body framework. I won't go through all of it because I'll try to prioritize what I think is essential. I think there's some strong head work that is really critical. So I think being able to do strategic planning and really think through org performance and analytics is really essential because if you don't understand what the company is trying to achieve and what the key levers are to achieving that success or impact or those are the most important metrics, it's going to be very difficult for you as a COO to drive the kind of implementation that is going to achieve those high-level objectives. So I think if you don't have a, a strategic mind, then unfortunately, I think you will hit a barrier in your career. You will kind of be a great ops manager. Maybe you'll be a great head of ops that's really focused on the efficiency and effectiveness of the operations function, but you will struggle to kind of blossom into, I think literally it's like putting your head up. I think heads of ops and below and in the ops career ladder, you're focused more inwards, downwards at what is in the scope of your control. But what makes it so challenging to make that leap between a head of ops and a COO is that ability to kind of look up and outwards and around at the overall 360 of what's happening across the entire business and also what's happening externally with your customers, your investors, your board members, other stakeholders. So I think those are the most essential skills and the non-negotiable ones. But of course, there are other core competencies that can be really helpful to tie into that and without which You can have a great strategy (laughs) and a great plan, but if you don't have the right people in place, so it's really important to understand overall org design, but also like how to be a great manager, how to navigate relationships with fellow C-level execs, how to manage upwards to your CEO. So I think often people focus in operations on like the what, like the technical, what they call hard skills. And at Operations Nation, we don't use love using the word soft skills because it, well, it sounds soft, but more human skills. A huge part of being a COO is actually communication and relationship management. You go from being someone who's doing tactical work in operations to uh, you get stuff done to being an influencer, a communicator, bridging individual team leaders that aren't working together, trying to break down silos and get cross-functional collaboration to happen more smoothly. You're not just looking at processes for your one function. 
but you're looking at company-wide systems, processes, and looking at the whole 360 engine. And so, you know, if you don't have strong EQ and strong communication skills, it's going to be really hard to get the kind of change that you need in your business in order to overcome the inevitable challenges of scaling a business. This is a great question. What challenges doesn't a CEO face? I think in general, and then I think there's some things that are specific to when you're working in a down market. So I think in general, it's a double-edged sword. So the beauty of a COO role is that you get to wear multiple hats. You are a Swiss army knife. So you get to develop and sharpen many different tools. You have a very wide toolkit. But the same things that make a COO role really exciting and ever-changing are actually the same ones that can work against you. So in the case of being a generalist, you can eventually come to a point where your generalist knowledge only goes so far in what the business needs. So eventually you will always get to a point where you kind of outgrow your own role and you will need to hire someone who is more of an expert in the space that you are. So I did customer support at Aza Finance from early on, but eventually I'm not a customer support specialist. So I needed to hire someone in who actually was experienced in that. And then she then went on to build a team around customer service. So I think it's the challenge is knowing yourself is the self-awareness. So knowing when you should do stuff yourself and you have the capability and the expertise to either perform or supervise a particular function. And then knowing when you should actually put yourself out of the internal job and bring in a true expert. So I think that's that's kind of more of an internal one is constantly evolving your role and knowing how can I add the most value to this business at this stage and having the self-awareness and the humility to let go and know when to say, this is what I'm good at. This is not what I'm good at. And this is where I can do this myself and I should, and I should be the one to create value for the business in this way. And this is when I need to delegate or hire or even give up this function. I think externally looking more broadly, kind of outside of the individual role, it's also really difficult to be there for everyone internally across the business. So because I said, and going back to the COO framework, we call this strong arms and legs, managing upwards to the CEO, laterally to the rest of the exec team, downwards to your direct reports. But there's also the diagonal. And so you start feeling like an octopus (laughs) with eight legs and arms. You are effectively responsible for the performance of everyone in the business whether or not they report to you directly or into you. And that can be really challenging to have the influence over people who aren't technically accountable to you. So you're kind of missing some of the implicit and explicit levers to you know influence your colleagues to do things because ultimately they will naturally, especially if you're in a traditional hierarchy, they will yield and defer to and prioritize whatever it is that their direct manager or line manager wants. So I think 
one of the most difficult challenges one faces as a COO is learning how to influence, how to negotiate, how to get buy-in from all areas of the business at every level. So with your CEO at the leadership level, at the mid-level manager level, and then all the way, you know, at every level to the analyst, because ultimately, collectively, an entire org, you can't just say, oh, I deal with ops stuff. Like I'm, as long as the ops team is running efficiently, everything else is going to work. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And then I think there's one that's a bit more existential, kind of at a bigger level, it's figuring out what is the best use of my skills and capabilities because it's it's quite a broad role so i think one of the challenges is figuring out like what is the l- proper l- length of my tour of duty so if i've been at a company from nascency of course i'm going to know how the business operates really well but i will also have a bias towards how I did ops or how what ops looked like that early in the company stage. But eventually you will outgrow. We will both neither be able to give back any additional experience or thought leadership to the business because that's been your, your playing field, your playground where you've grown and you know that business, but it's not like you're bringing in new expertise. So I think there's a challenge of just knowing like how long should my tour of duty be how can i add as much value to this business whilst i'm there and then knowing when to move on and add value to a new business i think ops people tend to be incredibly loyal which is such a gift to any ceo or founder but sometimes that can get <laughs> work backwards where like any leader if you stay too long you can actually hold the business back from growing because you want to do ops a certain way, and then the business will will kind of, because you have such a big influence on the business, if you aren't optimized for the business and optimizing for the business, then the business won't be optimized. The C-suite relationships are so important. If you haven't read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team as a listener, I encourage you to just, you know, it's not a long read. And it talks all about the dysfunction that can happen at uh, the C-suite level. And, and that will really trickle down into the rest of the business. So I think it's really, really important. And that the COO can be often the glue that helps keep that leadership team together. So you, you, know, you see different CEO leadership styles, sometimes like kind of flat, and it really feels like just one team of equals, you know, collaborating. Other CEO styles are, are more like, hub and spoke. So like, they're really the hub of everything. They have more individual relationships with each exec. And they're kind of the wheel that keeps everyone together. But they're really the center of decision making and culture setting, etc. So it really depends on the model. But I really do see more than any of the spokes of the C-level relationship. The one between the CEO and the COO is really important. And I know Looking back at my CEO and co-founder, Elizabeth, we have very complementary skill sets. So if you're a disc wheel fan, like she's a red, she's a driver, I am more of an orange. And so like we're both like the same kind of pace. So 
you know, I think that's one of the challenges that COOs can face is if you have a big differential, like your CEO wants to move really, really quickly, but you're more risk adverse or you've thought through like, actually, this is going to require more time or human resources or more capital than we have at the moment. You know, so there can be a lot of tension created if the CEO and COO are kind of running in different directions or are at odds. So I think that alignment is really critical. And one of the things that I've really loved is like working with CEOs is like when you are aligned in vision and values and strategic direction, you can achieve anything, right? And then when you are not aligned, then it's challenging because it creates confusion for the rest of the company of CEO at the end of the day calls the shots, right? They're the CEO for a reason. So that is going to naturally trump. So it's important for a COO to really invest in being aligned and having clear communication. Knowing, you know, we're human, so we're not meant to always agree on everything, but I'm a huge fan of agree to disagree. So anyone on the C-level team can disagree, but that should be done privately as what is first team. I think that's one of the things that a lot of senior managers or um, like VP level don't always transfer well when they become a C-suite because you're used to really like looking out for your team and your function. As I said earlier, you know, it's kind of a, you're looking more internally and at your own portion of the business. But when you become a C-suite and you become a COO, your first team should be the exec team. And so it can be hard when sometimes there are going to be decisions that are best for the company, but aren't necessarily best for the ops function. So I think that's where a lot of the tension can be built. So my advice to a COO is to be like really clear what your role is. And your role is really to serve the wider company. And so at times this is going to be difficult because you're going to need to, like if your CEO wants to go in a certain direction, then, you know, she's the CEO and that's going to take priority. So, yeah, I think just navigating like how to be an authentic leader and not disregard your own objectives in your role, but also really thinking bigger picture about like what's best for the company and being able to navigate those challenging situations. I felt like when I first became a startup COO almost 10 years ago, there were very little resources out there. There was sort of this, the classic uh, Harvard Business Review article, the misunderstood role of the chief operating officer, a couple of books on, sold on Amazon, but they were related to COOs, but for corporate COOs, no podcasts, very little other resources and, and no communities for operations. Fast forward, thank goodness, like there are a lot more and, you know, I'm a little biased, but I'm very proud of the community that my co-founders and I built, Operations Nation. But there are many other great ops communities. And in fact, we have um, a communities landscape on our website. So if you don't feel like we're a great fit for you, then I would definitely check out all the other ops communities around the globe. But yeah, I think joining a community is a great place to start. And I say that not because, just because there's a a paucity of, of resources out there, but because so much of ops is really dynamic and it's real time and it's very specific to your situation. So in a sense, like it's hard. And I know this because we're actually taking a top-down approach as Operations Nation 
And we're trying to aggregate op-specific content, whether it's articles, resources, podcasts. We're creating content where it hasn't existed, like a book, a survival guide for startup COOs, a course for startup COOs. You know, so we're filling in the gap by creating new stuff. But the hard truth is, is there's no magical playbook. There's no, well, maybe one day we'll get to a point where ChatGBT can actually help you do your ops job. Like you can actually say, how do I do this instead of needing a community? But until we get the database and the foundation fully filled of relevant ops specific content, I think community is the place to start. It's like fellow peers, other ops managers, heads of ops and COOs who are going through the same things that you are. And it's just very easy. Like, you know, we happen to be run on Slack. You know, there are other community tools, but just having a quick forum where you can ask anything as obscure as I saw one question, like, I've got to ship a container from Turkey to Portugal. Where do I start? To the myriad of questions that have arisen during the pandemic as we go to, you know, either fully remote or hybrid working from a policy level, an HR level, culture building level. Um, there's so many things that are kind of like, you just need to talk to someone who's going through the similar thing. I'd also look at formal mentorship programs. We happen to run a mentorship program called Mentor Stories, which connects more seasoned ops professionals or often experienced COOs, mentoring either less experienced COOs or heads of operations or ops managers. So I think peer learning is really good. Seeking a mentor, which is a bit more of a formal relationship. And then, yeah, tapping into the resources that are increasingly coming out. Love JBM's COO secrets or chief of staff secrets. I just recorded another podcast on the operations room. So I think those are for the general ops. And then I think after that, you have to just get used to having a very broad bookshelf. So I think there's stuff that I think can help you build up that toolkit. Like I said, in the core competencies of a, a COO, there are lots of books on organizational performance. There are lots of books on management. There are lots of books on org design. So I think community and kind of general resources are good for just like understanding the wily world of operations. But then if you really want to sharpen your skills in certain areas, then it's best to just go to the specialist content in that area. That's all from us today, but do make sure you check out the links in the show notes for more on today's 40-Minute Mentor. And if you have any recommendations for future guests, then why don't you drop our Head of Marketing and 40-Minute Mentor producer Hannah a line on hannah at jbmc.co.uk. Thank you so much for your ongoing support, and I look forward to seeing you again next week for more pocket-sized mentorship. <laughs>